0: Guys, welcome to the Bitcoin with Dini podcast, and I'd like to welcome uh, Peter Dunsworth all the way from Sydney. Peter, what's the crack?
1: Dini, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah, me too, man. Like uh, you're 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 the guy that's done the maths on the seven billion dollar Bitcoin valuation, so I want to get in, into that in a little second. But uh, before we do, just give us a little introduction in, into how you got to where you're doing and sort of what your background is, Peter. Please.
1: Sure thing. So uh, I run a effectively uh, a Bitcoin advice business that was effectively spun out of a, a business that I run or that I've run for the last 10 years, effectively doing multifamily office. A multifamily office is basically giving investment advice across a broad range of asset classes, including uh, property bonds, stocks, um, alternative assets and commodities. So for the last 10 years, I've been doing that. Prior to that, I was giving financial advice and specialising in uh, superannuation, which is equivalent to our to your pension system. Um, uh, basically wrote a course on borrowing money and superannuation or pensions, um, advised the Australian Tax Office and ASIC, which is the equivalent of the SEC, um, as a regulatory body on borrowing money in super. And then prior to that, I was on the other side of the balance sheet in credit, basically looking at mortgages, assessing risk and um. Prior to that, 25 plus years ago, I was at uh, BT Funds Management, which was an investment firm which had the uh, illustrious record of basically picking the 1987 stock market crash. It was about the only company that made money. And then uh, uh, maybe 10 years later, I was uh, or a little bit more I was in that organisation. And sadly, it uh, had uh, lost a lot of its shine from that moment. But um, that's uh, a, a brief background about me.
0: Awesome, man. Um You've got uh, you've got, you've got, you've got some serious experience on all sides, I guess. So, uh, what better guy to, to sort of talk to us about Bitcoin and, and let's get straight into it. Let's not hang around. Um, I listened to a podcast and you literally broke down the seven billion dollar Bitcoin valuation. Can you sort of walk us through that? Because to our average no coiners like I, <laughs> don't understand Bitcoin, that's just crazy stuff. Uh, but walk us through the numbers.
1: Sure thing, and and probably I think. More important than actually walking through the numbers is actually walking through through the valuation framework and Sorry. a way of thinking about Bitcoin, which I, I think is more important because the $7 billion Bitcoin is, it sounds like a ludicrous number, but when you put the framework around the thinking that gets you to that number, it's a, it's a completely different situation. And this is where um, the $7 billion number is a fabulous number to talk about and think about. And, you know, we all dream of that. Um, and and think one day wouldn't it be wonderful if that that would have happened but um, for me um, where I where I get the most juice out of this is actually putting a framework around that thinking and then uh, offering people to debate or discuss the framework that we've put around to get that number and um, I'm yet to find someone who has had a legitimate argument as to why that wouldn't be the case and what I'm hoping to do is basically give you that framework so There are sort of two ways of thinking about Bitcoin I see Um, from a valuation framework. There's a very basic model to think about. Um, And if you understand what Bitcoin is and you've done the work on it, then I think you will appreciate that Bitcoin is fundamentally the first uh, store of value, mean of exchange and unit of account that effectively operates as the best of each of those functions of money. And um, once you understand that, you realize that um, in the future people aren't going to accept anything other than Bitcoin for a payment. It will effectively be like highway robbery, you know, accepting um, us dollars or, you know, the British pound or whatever we're using Aussie dollars, you know, it'll be an insult. And, you know, if you go to, um, if you tried to pay for you know goods and services in Ireland with a you know, Venezuelan Bolivar, you'd probably spit on them. Like, what is this crap you're trying to give me? It's, you know, it's horrible. And once people understand and the, the education around Bitcoin's widely understood what it is, people won't want to accept anything else. So that's a fundamental premise of, you know, the the foundational framework for it, that it's a better money than anything else we've seen. And my, my thinking on this is, is that we've got 900 Bitcoins that are minted on a daily basis. And there is, uh, there's roughly $6.3 trillion of global trade. My expectation is is that the Bitcoin that's been minted so far will be in cold storage or will be used in the form of um, basically in the credit markets as collateral. And um, we can talk about that later. But fundamentally, the $6.3 of global trade that's facilitated on a daily basis will need to come from what's ever minted on the day. So if you look at the current epoch that we're in, in Bitcoin, it says that there's 900 Bitcoins minted on the day that that represents a you know a seven billion dollar bitcoin when you divide 6.3 trillion by 900 bitcoin and where things go askew very quickly is that you know in less than a year that number will double from 7 billion to 14 billion because we've got half as many bitcoin (laughs) coming to market every day so the numbers get exponential very quickly and this is where the framework around that that's one way of sort of thinking about this the other framework which i think is a, a much bigger number than that but it's a much more solid foundational framework for thinking about a valuation framework is thinking about bitcoin as the first triple point asset and the triple point is sort of a a term i've coined in thermodynamics where um a, an element such as water can be in three different states at the one time so in a beaker of um uh, in a beaker, under certain pressures and temperatures, you can have water in three different states at the one time. So you can have it as water, ice and, and steam, which is an odd sort of thermodynamic principle that is really weird to think about. And what, what I think Bitcoin is for the first time in history is the first triple point asset in that for the first time in history, we have one asset or that basically is the key or the number one function of money across all three functions of money. So if I think about that, it's the best store of value, it's the best mean of exchange, and it's the best unit of account all at the one time. So thinking about that, um, when you look at economics and dynamics around markets, um, uh, what that then creates then, I believe if we have one asset that's the best at all three functions of money, and we've never seen this before, you effectively now have a competitive tension between store of value and unit of account and medium of exchange to get as much of that Bitcoin as they can for the function of money that it's trying to, to achieve. And this is where, if we look at how people assess Bitcoin at the moment, they think that, um, they're thinking on a linear accretion of value. And they think that, okay, well, if store of value is a $10 trillion market cap, and mean of exchange is 100 trillion and unit of account is 2,000 trillion, what we need to do to assess the total addressable market for Bitcoin is we need to add those three values together. So we need to add 10 trillion, 100 trillion and 2,000 trillion, and then we need to divide it by 21 million. That gets us to roughly $100 million a coin. But my uh, summation here is that that is the wrong way of thinking about it because you're thinking about those individual functions of money separately. And when you have a triple point asset that's the best at all three at once, you now have a competitive tension where each function of money is actually competing for that Bitcoin because it serves the highest function of each function of money. So rather than thinking about it in a linear accretion of value, it needs to be thought of as an exponential. So it's more like 10 trillion multiplied by a medium exchange, 100 trillion multiplied by 2000 trillion unit of account. And then this is where the numbers break and it doesn't make any sense so it makes the 7 billion look totally conservative but from a from a valuation framework I think it's far more sound thinking about Bitcoin in that capacity because it brings in a whole host of underlying economic concepts that are provably sound
0: yeah and uh, I suppose as well like the, the store of value aspect almost steals liquidity because you're incentivized to not give up the store of value. And, and, and therefore that aspect of, of, of the triple point is doesn't have liquidity really like, I suppose, it, when you really understand it. So it, it, uh, it does blow the mind the, the, the exponential potential, I guess, that, that we have in front of us. And, and that's why I'm on social medias every day, pounding the drum <laughs> and just going, just get a little bit for a pension strategy. Even if you hate it and you think it's crap, just cover yourself with half a percent and, and there's nothing to lose. covered that's great
1: that's great advice I hope people listen to that and and take action on it because if it does what we think it does then you know to your to the advice you give all of your clients that'll be an early retirement
0: yeah for sure um yeah and I'd like to get into sort of our pensions or or as you guys call them supers uh traditionally in in Ireland I'm not sure what it's like in Australia I I think it's sort of simple I think you might even have to mandatory contribute but uh the, the basic strategy for normal people like myself before I was financially educated when I struggled with money was just like earn money and then give it away to someone else to you know a pension guy and then uh, over the years I've sort of learned you know that's not quite as efficient you know I prefer to manage the money myself I can think I can do a better job and as going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole you start to realize I don't think traditional pensions are as low risk over the next 10 20 30 years as, as we're led to believe And on the flip side, I meet clients who are in their 60s and 70s and they just come into my office and go, Dinny, the pensions is a scam. I contributed to 30 years. I'm getting 200 quid a month. It's barely worth me driving to pick the thing up. Or, you know, what's your take on that? Do you think the pensions, our traditional pensions or supers are are as low risk as, as we're led to believe? No, I don't. I
1: think there's a huge amount of inherent risk that's totally overlooked because it's assessed by people who are currently in the system who have a vested interest in making sure they overlook the inherent risk in the system. So this is where a counterweight to that risk that you can take in your pension system is to have an asset outside of that in Bitcoin. And this is where I think it's the ultimate hedge. You know, we talk about um, having um, maybe 5 to 10% as a conservative figure of your investable assets in Bitcoin as a hedge against the system blowing up, and I think that's a fairly reasonable thing to to answer your question about in more detail about the pension system. Uh, depending on where you are, uh, depends on the you know how how well funded these pensions are. So in the US, there's a huge liability mismatch on a lot of their pension systems. In Australia, they have uh, far more stringent uh, requirements that um, there's no sort of oh, I'll I'll pay you back later with the pension systems in Australia. You have to pay up front basically. And there's some big legal ramifications if you don't. So there's less of a scam in Australia relative to, say, the US, because those big US pension funds can basically put the amounts owing on the pension liability and the payments that they've got to make on the never-never, saying, oh, yeah, we'll catch it up. And basically, they 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 force themselves into a Chapter 11 or a bankruptcy type arrangement to avoid any future obligations for those pensions. Um, I'm not sure quite sure how it works in the UK but I'm 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 picking it's going to be a choice between a whole range of different investment options that you've got typically stocks bonds property or commodities and and this is where on a personal level the at currently the there is a huge huge understatement of the risks involved in investing in property investing in bonds and stocks and there's a huge uh, Overweight um, or hysteria around the risks involved in investing in Bitcoin, and if you know how to self-custody your Bitcoin, which is you know some of the work you help deliver to your clients, um, the risks are nullified, um, and there's a com- complete arbitrage with the risk reward ratio to Bitcoin v everything else. And you know your pension system, literally, or in 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 the in in England, um, in Britain, basically nearly blew up last year. You know, I had a client basically send me um, uh, $100 or £100 invested in the pension system um, in a 40-year bond, 40-year guilt, sorry, I should say, um, being cognizant of what's happening over there. And, you know, that £100 11 months after its purchase was worth £25. It had lost Mm. 75% of its value overnight. And now, if you were to sell that, you'd lose 75% of the value of your pension fund if you were fully invested in that. However, if you held that for the next 39 years and one month, you would get your 100 pounds back. But there's an opportunity cost because the 40-year gilt is basically trading at a four and 4.5% interest rate now, 11 months after you purchase it. So that money's basically ripped up and gone. And this is the thing that people really don't understand is that bonds are really risky because you can rip up capital never to see it return. And everyone thinks, oh, it's a bond, it's government guaranteed, I'm guaranteed to get my money back. But think about the fact that, you know, that person who purchased bonds in September 21 basically had to hold for the next 40 years to get their £100 back. And in the meantime, we've seen 10% inflation rate in the UK and all sorts of, you know, nonsense go on. So it's. You're guaranteed to lose money. (laughs) Correct. Literally, you are guaranteed to lose money. That's from a bond perspective. And then you look at the stocks, the stocks don't look too crash hot either. Uh, and property, well, that's kind of a, a function of you know the, you know the cost of capital. And we've just had the cost of capital rip higher by about four percent in the UK, and it's worse in the US. It's ripped four, five, five and a half percent. In Australia, it's ripped four, four and a half percent. And there hasn't been the adjustment or the necessary adjustment in the property values to account for fair market value, given that the cost of capital's gone up four thousand percent.
0: Brilliant. I bet my audience wouldn't forgive me if I didn't educate you on uh, geography and just say that we are the Republic of Ireland, so we are not the UK. We did hear about that, <laughs> but uh, there'd be a bone of contention if I let that slide.
1: <laughs> I, I think there would have been celebrations in the pub that it was happening in England.
0: Perhaps, but uh, no, a national, no, no.
1: A nas- national holiday declared <laughs> down in Dublin.
0: No, 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 not at all. But, um... I want to. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk, chat a little bit. Like Part of what I do is is teach people the difference, not only about how to understand Bitcoin, what Bitcoin is, but because the majority of the world are at the zero stage. So they come in like I did many years ago, not knowing the difference between Bitcoin and, and crypto and, and thinking it's just like it's all the same. and you know, it's just, well, this one's priced at this one and this one's priced at this. So, you know, we're valuing things on the price of them, you know, which is not really how to value stuff, but maybe give us your understanding of of why you came to the conclusion to focus on Bitcoin and, and not crypto.
1: Uh, boy, that's a deep question. I think on a, on a very surface level, um, the investments we make are typically for long timeframes. We're talking about investing for intergenerational wealth. Intergenerational wealth requires a long-term focus um, and and a determination that these assets are going to be held for significant periods of time. On a personal level, I can't get comfortable with anything other than Bitcoin is going to be around in ten years or more. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about Ethereum being ultrasound money. I'm like, when I hear that, I just uh, well, maybe a shake of the head and. You know, it signifies that people have zero understanding of what economic fundamentals are and what makes up sound money um, and a, a lack of history. You know, Ethereum, although it's a, a wonderful protocol, it's bought some innovation and some, you know, some cute tricks I look at. Uh, it's not sound money and it doesn't have the ability to function as money. It has the ability to be manipulated. And for that reason, it has the ability to be controlled. So uh, my estimation is that, People are going to want something that they can't control, that can't be altered, can't be changed, um, in perpetuity. And there's only one currency or one one asset that does that, and that's Bitcoin. So, for that reason, you know, I think Ethereum is the best of the you know altcoins or shitcoins, whatever you want to call them. And um, everything is significantly worse after that. So, I think there are some unique protocols that I think are interesting that have some genuine tech innovation behind them. I look at MakerDAO and think that's really interesting and has some you know, exceptional insights. I look at Filecoin and what that's been able to achieve, but I think the token itself has been bastardized and corrupted. But you know, IPFS is a, a really interesting protocol that I think will be broadly rolled out. And what MakerDAO does with effectively being a central bank that's got no no decision makers in it, I think that's that's a, a great step forward too, but it's not Bitcoin and this is where bitcoin i think has the ability to be 50 percent of all transactions um, globally and a whole lot more because it has the store of store of uh, value it's got the medium of exchange and most importantly and this is the most underrated thing about any any of this is that it has the unit of account and so the unit of account is where all of the juice is from a from a value perspective there's two thousand trillion dollars worth of value accounted for on a daily basis and it all sits on the unit of account and our double-entry ledger systems. Bitcoin is an upgrade on that double-entry ledger system because it's a triple-entry ledger system and it's an immutable ledger. It cannot be changed. So for that reason, none of the other protocols come close to it for that perspective, and people don't really understand how much value can accrue to Bitcoin. Um, And when you look at it on a risk-adjusted basis, I look at the risk of Bitcoin falling over in the next 10 years and put that at less than 1%. And I put the, the probability of it going up, you know, 100 or 1,000x 1, in the next 10 or 12 or 10 or 20 years as, you know, over 90%. Whereas, you know, it's completely inverted for every other cryptocurrency. I think there's a 99% failure rate in the next 10 years for less, less return. So why wouldn't I have more money in Bitcoin and zero in the others?
0: Yeah, it just makes sense. To, to me, like the, the job of a pension to me is to protect capital. And grow, up. but yeah. protection is the is the priority, and that means beating inflation, and you know, and having having a return. But it wouldn't make sense if I rang up my traditional pension manager, and he was like, "Well, I invested in all these startup companies, and sorry, we went to zero, But next year, there's some more new ones coming out. You're like, "What are you out of my money? This is my pension, man." So for for me, uh, how I look at it, I'm just like, you know, and it's again, the the conclusion is too simple. But what I I do here is, is teach people about how to create a a plan B pension, and Bitcoin fulfills. All those needs it doesn't have the risk like any other crypto token go to zero it won't affect bitcoin however yes. this the inverse isn't true so if you, you you know if bitcoin doesn't work out nothing in this space i believe works because bitcoin moves this market whatever bitcoin does everything does and with bitcoin being backed by energy with proof of work mining it just separates it from everything it means it's impossible to stop it at, at this stage i believe And um, it's got the network effect, it's got the dominance, it had the fair issuance, it didn't have the pre-mine. You know, it's not controlled by humans anymore. Although it's run by humans, I don't believe it's controlled by humans. Um, You know, so it's it's a very different asset when you do get under the hood and and look at it. And it fulfills, for me, it's the perfect pension vehicle. And I believe in the future, most pensions are gonna be the majority in Bitcoin and people won't have to risk their money because, you know, you probably come across, well, I don't know if you do because you deal with high, high net worth, but I deal with, you know, retail people and small business owners and we come across horror stories where people can't, they just don't have anything they save in. So we have to take risk. We have to speculate on property. We have to speculate yeah. on stock market. We have to speculate on some collectibles. And then sometimes it goes wrong and you've undone 10, 20 years of your life's work and time gone into something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course I'm getting into philosophy now and going on a rant as I tend to do but like Bitcoin fixes this <laughs> and that's it, why it's it, the perfect it, pension
1: it, it really does I agree with all of those things and this is probably a very difficult concept I think for people who are new to the space to really understand um from a from a financial perspective is that it's really important to distinguish between risk and volatility so Bitcoin is highly volatile very low risk and this is where people have that roundabout the wrong way. They think Bitcoin is risky because it's volatile, but they don't understand and haven't done the work on it. And speaking as someone who's spent probably over ten thousand hours looking at this and has a traditional background in finance and assessing risk for a living, literally my job is to help clients make smarter choices with their investments. Um, it's basically also to mitigate any risk and and try and you know get that out of 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 the investment process. I look at this and I think you know from all the work I've put into this and there are literally thousands and thousands of hours people overestimate what the risk is to bitcoin and they over over classify the volatility and they they have those two terms confused and if they understood that bitcoin is is the new risk free asset and the volatility is just a function of time so just invest for a longer period of time to your point uh, previously Bitcoin is the perfect asset for investing in your pension.
0: Yeah. And, and and just a side note on that then, because I asked myself this question because as an investor, I always try to find the counter narrative and put, push it on myself. I'm like, if you can see this as clear as day and I can see this, not that we're on an IQ level, but uh, but why can't smart money managers, is it that they haven't and, and full disclosure in, in all the stuff I've done in the health space, there's massive ignorance. Okay, even when I go and see a local GP now, and uh, what the, the the nutrition basic nutritional advice that they're giving out, I'm scratching my head and going, that was in the eighties. Like things have moved on since then, don't you know that nine processed carbohydrates a day drive cancer, stroke, heart disease, diabetes, and getting people overweight. Like you know, saturated fat is okay. We've 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 studied this over the last thirty years, and we've disproven this myth. And it's just like we still have that ignorance so then i'm like well maybe it's just like don't underestimate the amount of ignorance in this world any or the amount of incentives for people not to actually look at their beliefs challenge them and 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 take on new information and be able to be have the flexibility to change like like what, what what's your take on why smart people have they not done the time on bitcoin or how come they can't see what we can see as clear as day show me
1: the incentive i'll show you the outcome They have no incentive to understand it. Life's good. You know, they drive a really nice car, live in a nice spot. They make a fortune. Why would I want to rock this boat? You know, there's no incentive. There's no questioning this. And you're effectively paid to toe the line. What I find really interesting about what's happened in the last, say, month is, you know, Larry Fink, head of BlackRock, basically has said it's now okay, not a a catastrophic failure for your career to look at Bitcoin and potentially advise on it. That is a mega, mega change that I don't think we've really felt the consequences of right now. But uh, the other thing is, if you look at the classical financial training that you go through and the financial models that you use to assess risk, to assess an investment opportunity, to assess returns, basically they're fundamentally flawed and they're not congruent or um, they're, they're very lacking in understanding or valuing the potential promise of Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't have a yield, it doesn't have a dividend, it doesn't throw off cash, um, which makes it instantly very difficult to understand. And most people put that in the pet rock category as gold or silver as a commodity. And I totally understand that. But, you know, there are some upgrades to the technology that make Bitcoin a whole lot better than anything else that's ever existed that we're just slowly starting to wrap our heads around. And, you know, very briefly, there are four key tech innovations, I think, that have happened with Bitcoin, which means it's a completely different beast to a traditional commodity. Um, the first is that, you know, it's the introduction of absolute digital scarcity. So we have a, an asset that is literally hard capped at $21 million. We have an asset that's seizure resistant. So um, no one can take it from you. And to give you a comical example of this, if if we look back over history, you know, there's conjecture that the pyramids were built to house basically the pharaoh's wealth into the afterlife. If they had Bitcoin 5,000 years ago, whenever those things were built, we wouldn't have pyramids because the pharaohs would literally put 12 words in their head. They'd be thrown out in the desert and they'd just be a rotting carcass and (laughs) we'd never know about it. Um, So seizure resistant is a real thing. And this is where, you know, um, to break the illusion um, for any newbies to Bitcoin is, you know, everyone thinks they've got assets, you know, they've got property rights and the rest of it. They don't understand that they have property rights extended to them on the good graces of the government that you live Mm -hmm. under. Now, nowhere was this um, made more apparent to me than two things that happened in the last two years. The first was the Canadian truckers having their bank accounts frozen without any due process. And, you know, I consider um the countries that we live in um, you know, have a little to thank, you know, Western democracies for in that we have a rule of law. We have, you know, pretty good a, a, a pretty good legal system that provides for fairness and equity in in our decision making under our legal jurisdictions. But this was um This really turned upside down the whole uh, provision of innocent until proven guilty, which is what our entire Western canon is built on. And for me, I took issue with that. Now, I I don't want the Canadian truckers, you know, it's, it's not my bag whether they're protesting or not, but I want them to have property rights. Now, the other thing which is quite egregious is, you know, we had the U.S. and the SWIFT system also literally, take an entire country's national savings that were on that network being Russia and say we're not happy with what you're doing we're going to take your foreign reserves and hold them um, now and a third point to that is I never thought in the year 2023 I would be sticking up for our Russian oligarchs and saying that they have it tough but I still want them to have fair process that if you're going to steal their boats and take their football clubs and everything else from them I'd like to see a charge board against them and then have that adjudicated fairly in a courtroom. But there was none of that. It was just, oh, we're going to have a grab here, a grab there, a grab there. And this is where the second innovation, seizure resistant, is really critical. Because if you store your Bitcoin properly, um, and probably all the hard work you do and I do is teaching people how to do that, no one can actually take that from you, which is a wild concept. The third one is uh, censorship resistant, meaning anyone can transact if they apply the rules of the network. And the final thing is having an immutable supply ledger and issuance. Um, those four innovations really change the whole dynamic of what Bitcoin is. And this is where, from a uh, traditional finance perspective, no one talks about that because the you know the crossover between technology and finance doesn't happen. So,
0: yeah. I'm just giggling here thinking about it because it's so big. Even just to, to pick up one of the points of the ability to, to die with your Bitcoin, it's like you know y- your family are going to have to treat you well when you're getting older because they're like you know <laughs> he mightn't leave me anything. <laughs> it's not like you know because I've seen I've seen people pass away and the houses getting ransacked and everything's just you know and all the family they don't care just give me the money I want. To, I know there's money in the house. I know there's jewelry in the house and it's it's horrible. But this is just like you never came and visit them. For the last twenty years, now he ransacked the house when he died. But not with Bitcoin, baby. You ain't kind. No. You ain't looking after that. When, when I'm in the home, you ain't coming visit me. Well, baby, drink going to be a sat left. <laughs> that's, that's, it's so, that's it's 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 so game changing.
1: It's crazy, and this is where you know um to to one of the things that I find really interesting is that there's no appeal to authority with Bitcoin. You either have it or you don't, and this is where we spend a lot of our time. I think educating clients on ensuring they understand what that what that actually means. So if you've got stocks or property, you know, you've got a land titles office that you can appeal to, you've got a share registry that you can appeal to. But with Bitcoin, if you don't get it right, there's no one to talk to literally zero people, no one can help you, you've just lost your Bitcoin, and you've made a contribution to the network. And, you know, well, you know, if your kids don't come and visit you and are kind to you, then yeah, they're going to be pretty pissed about it and there's nothing they can do about it because you'll be in the grave and <laughs> they'll be drying their eyes in a bit.
0: yeah 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 it's, it's 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 yeah it's hard to get your head around what implications that leads us to over the decades and that but you know it's going to be a profound difference
1: yeah it's going to change behaviors dramatically
0: yeah i i think for the positive and even if we if we look at at a war perspective, you know, you go, you bomb the place, you get the gold, you bomb the place, you take the oil, you bomb the place, you don't get the Bitcoin. So as Bitcoin monetizes more and more of, you know, individuals' network distorting it, but also countries' network distorting it, it sort of de-incentivizes the physical violence, It's sort, you you know, because you you don't get the result of, of, of having the physical attack on it. Like, and again, that's huge, profound changes over the next 10, 20, 100 years of of how we interact with each other and yeah
1: it so- it brings in a certain level of um courtesy that we need to provide and if we want something we're going to have to provide something that you want if we want to receive something so i'm very hopeful for a huge societal change for the benefit of all mankind with with the adoption of bitcoin and to your point i think at the moment you know we've got say two thousand trillion dollars worth of value accounted for I can see Bitcoin basically holding a million trillion dollars worth of value in it and all of the other assets only accounting for the 2,000 trillion that we've got. And people look at that and say, oh, that's not possible because there's only $2,000 trillion worth. And it's like, look, you just don't understand how economics works. That you know, The market cap is downstream of price. So price is set at the margin and the market cap is a function of the price set at the margin. So uh, it's absolutely possible to have a million trillion dollars worth of value tied up in Bitcoin and only 2000 trillion tied up in traditional assets. And to your point, um, the bombing of someone's city or the ransacking of, of their home and assets and things like that is going to be um, nullified by the fact that so much of our assets are stored in Bitcoin that is free from any of that. And when people figure out that ransacking and war and the rest of it isn't doesn't doesn't pay um, People will store more and more of their wealth in Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing I was just going to mention to you was the 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 sort of uh, medium exchange aspect of Bitcoin. And, and again, I I just look at stuff from ten thousand foot and I just say, you know, if typical. Because I in my business I use Stripe, and when I look at the charges that I pay for a year, I'm like, what the hell? I need to find a cheaper payment provider here. It's costing me a fortune. Like um and and i'm like sure so if i have the problem amazon has the problem and and ebay has the problem and if they're paying let's say they're getting it cheaper than me and they're only paying two percent on their payment provider fees but like the lightning network can take that to point zero zero two or something like it's it's kind of a big deal for them who would operate on these tiny margins and it's just like I, i tend to get too excited about bitcoin sometimes but i'm just like so it's not just one thing it's like it's it's coming after everything Everything. in the world like i'm like surely all these big entities you think they're not going to be interested when they can make money because it's just like as you said show me the incentive well here you can make more money you've got a better margin are you interested hell yeah i'm interested how does it work well obviously entrepreneurs are going to have to build it scale it out solve all the teething problems but the fact that the technology is available and works today you know me as investors look into the future and go all right well there's a good chance we're going to solve for this and that is a massive use case. And it's just another adoption feature or factor yeah. for Bitcoin. It,
1: it's funny when you look around, like, you know, that's a huge selling point. You you look at, you know, um, how much money is lost in transactions and how much leakage from the system. It's horrible. <clears throat> and this is where Bitcoin Lightning Network and I think Liquid, um, although it gets absolutely zero love, um, I think they hold the key to um, stopping that leakage and actually providing uh, a different outcome. And this is where you know the major retailers aren't on a two to three percent cost per transaction, but small small retailers are. They'd typically be on less than half percent. So it's a very different ballgame. But still, you know, if if they're making a five percent margin and they can drop that half percent fee to zero. That's a 10% increase in their net profit they've been able to achieve. So I think all of these things are coming. It just, you know, when when you see it and you want it to happen, it's, um, you know, I get impatient and want everything to happen tomorrow, but um, you know, like Christmas, it'll come.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I don't feel impatient. I just feel I'd love to have a time machine and just go ahead 150 years just to see how did it change the world no interest in the monetary aspect i've enough money i enjoy my life i've everything i need yeah. you know but just did 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 what we think like is there a positive impact or or, or is there yeah. just a big red smoking ball left and we wrecked the place yeah
1: i've i've, I've just got that vision of that uh name with the you know the evolution of man and then the turnaround we fucked
0: up <laughs> yeah go
1: back
0: <laughs> yeah go back <clears throat> yeah um i've heard you speak a little bit about collateral and and that's how i see bitcoin as this really amazing piece of collateral and i see it as the most desirable piece of collateral that a human can hold in terms of all assets and all pieces of collateral that we can go after i, I you know that's how i view it today i think the rest of the world will view it in time i don't know how long that takes 10 20 30 years but could you speak a little bit about the collateral aspect of Bitcoin and and why you see it as, as, as great collateral.
1: So I agree wholeheartedly with what you just stated that Bitcoin is the greatest form of collateral ever invented. The world hasn't woken up to what it is, but when they do that will well and truly um, be used as the major form of collateral that we have. And this is another reason why Bitcoin's price basically is unbounded to the upside that once people realize what, uh, you know, what it can give from a from a benefit perspective with collateral basically there's an unlimited amount of credit that can go into bitcoin um on the other side so collateral is basically uh used in the form of or another word for it is basically security when you're securing loans or obligations and you know typically in australia and probably Ireland to the greatest form of collateral uh, that you have is residential property would be number one I'm presuming much like Australia and so if you want to borrow money from the bank you put up your title deed and that's a form of collateral and and the bank basically lends you money based on the value of that home that you've put up now that's all good and well but to put that collateral up as you know for a bank loan on the home think of the things that you have to do and check off to get that done firstly you have to submit a credit application where they're gonna review all of your income details to ensure that uh, not only your income sufficient, but your expenses are sufficiently low enough to actually pay for that that obligation that you plan on taking. Secondly, they've then got to value the property and ensure that there's sufficient equity in the property to afford the loan that they plan on giving to you. So there's a safety uh, of margin or safety, there's an error uh, margin built into that loan so that if the property drops and you can't afford to pay it, they're not going to lose any money. So they need to to assess that risk from that perspective and evaluation. They need their lawyers to basically go through and check any obligations on the property in the form of a caveat, a mortgage. There might be other some sort of um, lien on the property that basically prohibits any lending on that or there are existing obligations on the property. You need a lawyer to basically go through and check all of that. And that takes time and money. So you know, I've involved basically three or four professionals so far in this process to borrow money on the home. And in Australia, that process takes typically somewhere between one to three months to get that approved. So we haven't even got to the fact that we're actually handing over the title to the land titles office and the bank is basically going to put a mortgage on top of it. And that's another legal process to it. So I'm looking at this and thinking there are all the things involved in getting a mortgage on a home. Now, what's involved in putting up Bitcoin as collateral? It's simple. Can I move that Bitcoin to the wallet that you've requested or not? Yes. Okay, great. You can have the money. No, you can't have it. It's that simple. And because Bitcoin's liquidity is 24-7, 365, I can liquidate that as the lender. And I can basically stop you out of that lending at any point in time and recover all of the money that I've lent to you in an instant. Now, if I wanted to do that same process with using a home as property or an office or whatever, there's a whole host of legal um, processes that you need to go through in order to recover your money. Firstly, I need higher, to... yeah. Correct. you have you, you need to have at least three to six months of an unperforming loan where you haven't paid the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, I'm already six months behind the schedule. Um, what happens if the property prices drop? Well, all of a sudden I'm underweight um, in 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 the equity buffer that I've got in that loan. You know, you look at some of the properties in, in San Francisco, uh, commercial offices, there's there's talk that they've dropped 50 to 70 percent in value. And they were loaned, they had loan-to-value ratios on them of 70% lens. Now the lender is underwater 30 to 40 percent on that loan, on that property. Who's gonna pay for that? And the funny thing about the system in the US is they just throw the keys back and it's a non-recourse loan and tough shit. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> You know, it's it's horrible. But when you use Bitcoin as collateral, you never have to get yourself in that position. So if you look at lending, typically there are three Cs of lending. There's uh, there's collateral. So what are you putting up as security for the loan? There's character. You know, can you afford to pay this? And then there's, uh, sorry, character is in, what's your lending history look like? Are you a good payer or a bad payer of your debts? And then there's capacity. Do you have an income to pay for what's doing? With Bitcoin in using that as collateral, what's really interesting is, you don't have to care about two of the three Cs. You just need to care about the collateral. If you've got the collateral, you own the Bitcoin, you can liquidate it in, in a heartbeat. You don't have to have any recourse. It's just like you haven't paid your loan or the loan evaluation ratios drop too low. We're selling and we're getting our money and we'll give you what's left over. So it totally redefines collateral. And this is what's interesting from a valuation perspective. Credit markets basically make the world go round. Whether we like it or not, credit is basically the driver of most economic activity here and once we start well, well I might just reframe this there is a severe lack of good collateral in the world and once people figure out that Bitcoin is the best collateral they could ever want to hold we're going to see the value of that go through the roof because it's going to underwrite a lot of the credit contracts
0: yeah that's that's how I sort of define it to my clients I'm just like we don't know in the future what this what you're going how you're going to be able to leverage this collateral and use this collateral My just understanding is that this is collateral that is well undervalued on its true valuation and and I need to acquire as much as I can as a pension strategy uh, for the future and let entrepreneurs, let the financial system, let them build on to how they're going to use it. But if you don't have the collateral, you don't have the choice. And that's sort of how I I, I, I frame it for my guys is to just get the collateral.
1: (laughs) And get as much of it as you can while you can.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I going to say to you? Oh, yeah, just by the way, guys, hit the like button there to uh, support uh, myself and Peter here today. You're getting some serious alpha. What I call here, Peter, is I call it the daily exercise. So, what I do is I don't ask for push ups, I don't ask for squats. I say, stretch out the index finger, lads and ladies, and just approach that like button and give it a nice, strong press. You know, by all means, do a few push ups while Uh, you're listening to this, but uh, uh, (laughs) it supports the algorithm and helps get the content out there to more people. uh, Um, Well done. I want to uh, I want to transition into stick up a collateral, but like part of our strategy that we teach our clients is to leverage our Bitcoin in the future, it's similar to what a, a property investor would do. So that you're never selling down the collateral, you're just risk managing it um, yeah. with, with a leverage on it. But I've heard you speak, and I hadn't heard this or thought of this before that a bank will actually pay you to take out a loan if you put up Bitcoin as collateral and that was like I was like whoa that that, and again it was just like yeah that makes sense please please tell us about this
1: so it, it comes down to how the banks are going to assess what Bitcoin is so it comes down to effectively two factions of Bitcoin and great Bitcoiners at loggerheads here you've got Naibikelli from El Salvador the president of El Salvador saying that Bitcoin's a currency and then you've got Michael Saylor saying it's not a currency it's a property and they're at loggerheads. So there is going to be a decision made by the banks, is this a property or currency? Now, if they determine it to be a currency, they can take that onto their books as an asset, um, on their books, a liability to us, and they can leverage that 20X because it's a currency. However, if it's a property, they aren't able to put our property on their books and they can't leverage it. So for that reason, they're going to look at this and go, "Mm, don't really want to classify it as a property because then we can't leverage it 20x to basically lend out to other people. And so I look at this and think, show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. And the banks are going to be highly incentivized to classify it as a currency because then they can lend out 20x the value of what you put on their balance sheet. And so you think about this, if, you know, fast forward 10 years, we've got $10 million of Bitcoin. We go to the bank, we put that on their balance sheet. They say, great, we've just got $10 million. That enables us to basically rehypothecate 20x that amount. And so we can now lend out $200 million and we can have a 2% margin on that. They can make $4 million. They might turn around to us and say, hey, we'll lend you a $1 million and we'll pay you hundred dollars a year to borrow from us. And that's how they can afford to do it, because they're making $4 million on that by rehypothecating. Now, I don't want to get into the risks of rehypothecating and giving you money to a lender, because we kind of covered that in the last 12 months. So for any uh, any viewers out there who are like, why would I do this? I'm like, I get why you wouldn't do it. But there's going to be people who want to do it, and there's going to be institutions who provide that. And just to show you that we're directionally correct, that this will happen, not it's uh, a pipe dream, fairy dust, Um at the moment, you can go to Unchained and you can borrow for twelve to fourteen percent, which is a the best Bitcoin loan out there, I believe, from a risk-adjusted basis. You can um, go to a multitude of other lenders where you can put your Bitcoin up as collateral, and they will basically charge you somewhere between six to eight percent to borrow on it. Um, but they're going to rehypothecate. And then, if you look at probably the most extreme example of this at the moment, and this is the last time I checked, so it might be three months out of date, but You can go to Abra and you can put up uh, one Bitcoin and they'll lend you 15% of the value of that Bitcoin and they'll charge you 0% on that because they're taking your Bitcoin and then basically lending that out to other people and the interest rate differential they're still making money on. So directionally, I can tell you that is absolutely happening now and it's only a matter of time before a bank delivers on basically paying you to borrow money from them because they can rehypothecate your Bitcoin. Now, the choice is yours if you want to get paid to borrow money on your Bitcoin, but just to know that I believe is coming down the road.
0: Wow, that's cool, yeah. So it's a, we're, all, we're already seeing it. And, and that's how I sort of think of it. I'm like, these are strategies that we'll use in the future. These are strategies that are available today, but I don't think personally today is the right time to do it. Unless you want to experiment with a 1% of your allocation because you know it's high, yeah. high risk at this stage. But as adoption, progresses understanding progresses regulations progress uh, the quality of the institutions within the space progresses the risk on on taking on leverage and risk managing it is going to reduce like and and in the future it could be a strategy that you're like well 5% of my strat my my, my collateral I'm going to put at risk to earn a yield or to take on leverage or you, you know and, and and it's a it's a strategy that you know I think will be adopting similar to how traditional property investors have have used their collateral for decades I guess or or longer
1: (laughs) exactly right you look at the wealthy families in New York they own blocks of man Manhattan they don't sell the blocks of Manhattan they go back to the bank every 10 years and get another 100 million from them great it's gone up another billion this these last decade great I can have another hundred and the bank writes a check for them. They never have to sell it. There's no capital gains tax. And this is where, you know, to cover off back on, you know, one of the first questions you asked, how is it possible that only the 900 Bitcoin minted on the day is going to facilitate daily trade? When we've got a functioning credit market and stable coins on Bitcoin, and we don't have to sell our Bitcoin because we can use it as collateral to get a loan, it's really easy to see how we get there. We've already yeah. got 70, 76% of Bitcoin in cold storage, haven't moved in a year. What happens when we've got, real functioning credit markets with large institutions there's going to be even less movement of that and that number is going to go right up to 99 percent of bitcoin won't move i believe
0: yeah yeah one of my little thought processes on on it was like it was like once bitcoin went to you know a monetary value provided it just continues working it's destined to suck in the majority of all monetary value it's just a question of time like you know, it's, it's like once it went to from zero to one, it's gone forever until pretty much everything is, is sucked into it. It's like a black hole, I think. And it's it's like the bigger it gets, the better it gets. That's what I try and explain to people, you know, but when I look at the property market, because we had a massive housing crisis here in 2007, 8, 9, 10, where we had a massive crash. And I still know people who were doing the, the typical thing. They had a job, they were working, they were trying to get ahead. The done thing was get out leverage, get a second house. The whole thing fell apart right. these people some of them are still in bankruptcy still can't own anything and it's just like all they were trying to do was just get ahead the way anyone would and i like okay but the property market gets more unstable until the whole thing collapses down and then it rebuilds that bubble again but but the bitcoin bubble it's just the bigger it gets the more stable it gets the more political energy is inside the thing the more monetary energy is inside the thing like it's just like and then it's a self fulfilling cycle it's just like you're talking to your money manager and you've convinced him to put one percent of the portfolio in bitcoin and he's, he meets you and says, how's my portfolio doing and you're like oh we've done 12 percent this year they're like okay break it down for me well the property aspect of it has done eight percent and the one percent bitcoin has done 36 percent, and you're like well, well why don't we own two percent and what does that do it reinflates the bubble which what's that do it increases the performance so it's just dragging capital from everything into it
1: that's the glorious thing we get to basically sit here and front run that and I think one of the one of the things that we spend a lot of time on from a client perspective in making sure that we're set up to take advantage of that long-term is making sure that the Bitcoin is in the proper structures, um, legal structures to benefit from that. So if I look around um, Australia, um, holding your Bitcoin in a company is not a great idea because you've got something called a Division 7A loan that if you borrow money personally from your company, you're required to pay that back at an interest rate of over 7% in less than a seven year period. Now you um, compare that with borrowing or, or putting Bitcoin in your family trust or discretionary trust. You can borrow money from your discretionary trust at a 0% interest rate and never have to pay it back. And this is where you know we spend a lot of time upfront understanding what the client's plans are long-term and making sure we've got the right legal structures in place because um, it can have a huge result or a huge impact on the the benefits the client gets down the track and if we think all of this is coming and i'm you know proven directionally correct every day that you know the crazy stuff i talk about actually is coming to fruition then we want to make sure that you know we've got the best legal structures and 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 entities in place to benefit from that um and,
0: and when you talk about not the best strategy like the way I see it is, you can own Bitcoin personally, but then your company can own it. But your company owns it for a slightly different reason. It's for the company's health. You have it for your own yep. personal financial health, but the company can have a Bitcoin treasury reserve strategy similar to what Michael Saylor talks about. And although you, if you own the company, it also benefits you. But it's 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 for the company's financial health. And and so I sort of define that as two strategies. And you know, if you have a company, well, why not play both? True,
1: and this is where depending on how you um, and and this is where I've got to say, I probably need a bit of help from um, some accountants slash uh, state planners in, in Ireland to get up to speed on this, but I can tell you that basically across all, all uh, English speaking colonies, we fundamentally defer to British law. So um, we have a lot of similarities. So although I might not have the technical terms for it, do have an understanding of how it works. And, and this is where, um, with a, with your company you might actually have a company running and operating but it's actually owned by the trust at a higher level so you still get the benefits of being able to do that lending at a zero percent rate and not have to pay it back but you don't have the imposition of the the local tax uh, agencies um, mandating what interest rates you have to pay and when you have to pay it back
0: very good awesome brilliant stuff um Coming close to the end now, but I just couldn't let you go without talking a little bit about Bitcoin and time locking, because effectively it's transcended law, <laughs> which is, and and and, it, and it's in more than one regard, I think. Proof of work has transcended law as well. But, but in terms of time locking, uh, just for some of the listeners who would never have heard of, of this aspect, then could you, could you speak a little bit about that, please?
1: Sure thing. So, um, you know, Bitcoin throws up so many different and unique things. You know, we've talked about a whole host of them and I don't think we've, you know, an hour doesn't do it justice, right? But um, one of the quirks that Bitcoin throws up, which is completely unique from an asset perspective, is the ability to time lock it. So um, if we think about what a time lock is, typically, you know, a safe at the pub would have a two-hour or one-hour time lock on it so that if someone comes in with a shotgun and says, "Give me, give me your cash, no problem. We'll punch in the code and there's an hour or two hour release before the door opens and they can take the money. So, you know, basically an armed gunman needs to sit at the pub bar or the bar for an hour or two.
0: <laughs>
1: until <this> thing, <laughs> things happen. So basically here's a pint, sit down get comfy. And, you know, <laughs> when it opens, we'll let you know. Um, and you think, wow, that's such a, a powerful concept. But when you apply it to Bitcoin being a digital, in the digital space, that there's no way to touch, feel it and you can basically send your Bitcoin time-locked into the future, all of a sudden this represents a whole host of uh, fundamental changes that I can't, well, I, I, I try to think about some of the implications of this, but you know, we can effectively put our Bitcoin into cold, cold storage. And it's the coldest of cold storage because if you time-lock your Bitcoin, um, what happens is that Bitcoin basically is not in this wallet and it's not in the wallet you sent it to until that certain block height or time in space is reached. And so you could time lock that Bitcoin for 10 years. And so imagine someone coming in to take your Bitcoin, a $5 wrench attack, and they say, right, give us your Bitcoin. It's like, oh, mate, I'm really sorry. I've just sent it through 10 years into the future. Like, sit down. We'll have some birthdays. (laughs) We're going to get to know each other like either that'll come back in 10 years when it (laughs) lands in the wallet and we're going to be good and i i just think this you know to the discussion we had earlier about you know the societal changes that it'll make because war won't be you know profitable to do the same thing with folding a bitcoin to the future is no one will be able to take it from you and all of a sudden this has some serious implications and now where i look at What will be you know probably one of the first use cases for it is in an insurance case or alternatively using it as collateral for bonds or you know all sorts of financial contracts and you know for the first time in history um, the problem with collateral is that you never know where it is so the derivatives market is basically the biggest market that we have it's a really opaque market where no one has a clue what's going on and no one really understands all of the you know the obligations that underwrite all of those contracts If you underwrote all of those contracts with you know a time lock bitcoin all of a sudden everyone knows exactly where everyone stands and so there's going to be no shenanigans in that market it comes completely transparent and two things work there basically a huge amount of bitcoin goes into locking up those contracts and secondly basically the value of bitcoin goes through the roof to underwrite the collateral of those contracts so the time locking function has so many features that i look at and then the final feature i look at and think from an estate planning perspective, which is where I spend a lot of my time, basically talking about legacy and you know how clients want to leave their legacy to their you know to their loved ones, particularly their children. Um, time locking represents a feature that we've never seen before. We can time lock a Bitcoin to land in a wallet, maybe seventy five thousand blocks after the halving, which historically speaking has been the peak of the bull market, and we could do that every four years. Or if we didn't like our children, we could basically time lock that Bitcoin to come out at the bottom of the bear market.
0: (laughs) You wouldn't do that, no.
1: (laughs) And so they've got to spend double or triple for the same thing. Now, it depends, you know, to your point earlier, if they come and visit you in the old person's home, then, you know, you let it come out in the bull market. And if you don't like them, you let it come out in the bear market. So, you know, there's all this program, I joke about it, but there's all this programmability that you know we've never seen before and this is where to your point earlier the legal profession is going to have a very hard time comprehending that we can time lock a Bitcoin and regardless of what the legal uh mandates are that basically get forced upon us there's nothing we can do to break that cryptography to make it happen any quicker so yeah, they like, could have a <laughs>
0: you go through a the divorce have... <laughs> it's just like yeah, sorry sorry love you can't get the money for 15 years <laughs> I mean you're stuck with me <laughs> and, this, uh,
1: and this is the glorious thing that you know all of these things that we could never dream of before because there was no asset that was above the law yeah. and all of a sudden now we have an asset that basically doesn't care what the legal system says because in the you know in the universe when it comes to the laws of the universe cryptography rates far higher than our legal jurisdiction. You know, does. So, you know, the legal system is going to figure that out pretty quickly that, you know, oh, my goodness, he's time-locked it and there's nothing we can do to get that Bitcoin back until it reaches the so-called block height. So we're going to have to just sit here and wait. So, you know, whether it's the state trying to take your Bitcoin or, you know, a $5 wrench attack, um, it's going to be fun to watch, you know, basically society change in dramatic fashion, I think, to... Accommodate for that new type of feature in an asset that we've never seen before.
0: Yeah, and even the legal side of it, of 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 by time locking and, and contracts, like what does that change to that aspect of the world of contracts? That they they now probably don't need the regulation oversight anymore because they it's just uh-huh. collateral backed. You know, it's, and, it's and and again, and I it's think
1: one hundred percent verifiable. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a curious thing.
0: Yeah, so it's it's so it's it's so secure. It's uh so simple, it takes 10,000 hours to realize that. <laughs> the, the, the simple way where it's going to work, like <laughs> that's the irony. It's, it, it's cruel irony. Like, but it, I, I I was only uh, uh, tweeting Simon Dixon earlier and I, I was just saying, I can't wait to see the films that are going to be made on this adoption story and Satoshi's releasing this thing to the world, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years. Um, it gives me goosebumps like when I'm describing it to clients and I'm descri- describing how Satoshi released it and and uh, I was like such an what a story like what sort of films are we going to make over this
1: Wow! and this is where you know I don't know about you but my imagine go- my my imagination goes into overdrive thinking about you know what stories will be told in the future and you know, my genuine hope is that, you know, from all of the work that I put into this, this is the first time I've seen a single thing slash asset slash software protocol that has the ability to unite 8 billion people in one common cause. So for me, um, show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. I think it has the ability to basically deliver an alignment of incentive um, that we've never seen before. So for that, I'm very hopeful for the future ahead of us and it just basically requires one thing, basically Bitcoin to keep working and humans to keep on being greedy and fearful. Because... <laughs>
0: <Yeah. clears throat> that ain't going to change. Um, no. Before we we hand off, please tell us a little bit about the Bitcoin advisor and, and everything you do and where the guys can find you as well, Peter, please.
1: Thank you. Uh, well, um, I run a business called the BitcoinAdvisor.com. Um, that's the website with an ER. Um, we run uh, basically an advice business um, taken from my work over the last sort of two or three decades in giving advice to families, high net worth families. We've basically taken all that we've learned in the last six or seven years, giving advice to those families and helping them um, in a collaborative custody arrangement and taken that to the Bitcoin advisor where we basically help anyone who who requires help to um use a multi-sig arrangement to securely store their Bitcoin in a collaborative fashion where we've got a software provider holding a key, the client holding a key, and we hold a default key for for all our clients. Um, This has typically meant that um, clients have peace of mind, that they can know that if something were to happen to them tomorrow or they step in front of a bus, that all of the hard work that they've made and the sacrifices that they've made to get to this point in time aren't going to be for naught, that there's a basically a protocol in place that their family can institute to recover their Bitcoin and that their beneficiaries aren't going to make a contribution to the network with no appeal to authority. So for for me, it's been a, a seven-year process in defining this and then uh, basically delivering this to clients globally. So we've been really fortunate. We've got clients all over the globe. Um, we haven't got any in Ireland yet. You must be too good at your job. So uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> We might get you a few sent over, don't worry. <laughs> yeah,
1: but um, you know we look after plenty of clients in Europe, the U.S., Mexico, uh, Singapore, New Zealand, um, and Australia, and it's it's been a fabulous service which provides peace of mind. And one thing that has been a curious sort of back end of this is that in addition to helping with collaborative custody, we've been able to sort out um, that Bitcoin legacy for families that ensure that um, this becomes a really big part of people's lives, particularly as they <clears> um, sort of. know approach the inevitable that they think how am i going to leave you know my legacy to my loved ones and a sound estate plan can have a significant impact on you know their loved ones and i just think one of the messages you know for for anyone listening is a a sound estate plan is something worth investing in it's really important to ensure that you leave you know all of your assets in a, a suitable legal structure that's going to provide asset protection for your loved ones and also give some tax benefits to that. And I spend a lot of my time in that area because we work so hard to get to this point in time where we've, you know, stacked for years, we've saved, we've made huge sacrifices to get to this point and then to to blow it on an own goal at the last, you know, when you're over the line, drop the ball, it's, it's maddening for me. So one of the things that we do is... Um, if clients want our help, please give us a call. And if they don't, there's a collaborative custody protocol that we've basically given to the world that um, we hope they can use as a checkpoint for their own for their own resource. That um, they're doing everything they can to deliver that Bitcoin to their beneficiaries.
0: If something were to happen. So, thank you. That's fantastic, and we'll share your website and your your Twitter handle in the uh, in the show notes. Um, and it's it's probably the most important thing you probably experience it, I experience, I know every week, horror stories, and I'm just like, all you have to do for the next 10 years, right, to my clients, as I say to them, I say, all you have to do, acquire the collateral, and don't lose the collateral, right, so this is all you have to do to win here, and you don't have to risk it, you don't have to pivot, or trade, or do anything, or sell tops, buy bottoms, just hold the collateral, secure the collateral, it's simple, but it's not easy, and I get horror stories all the time, I've I got Taurus Fit in my camper van, uh, during the week, he lost, 1.2 bitcoin because he bought a cheaper ledger on ebay instead of buying it from mm. their site it was, he, 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 yeah um uh, sorry it was a Trezor, and he bought it on ebay and it was maybe 30 euros cheaper so he saved himself 30 and cost himself a million 10 million, 100 million. you know it's 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 it's, it's, oh. just, it's horrible yeah and that's um, I, I try and communicate this to people that if you're coming into the space it's a new space because it's collateral based and a bearer asset you can as you mentioned earlier you can screw up and it's so important if you're going to come into this space if you're going to invest some of your life's energy fair enough you're going to just start slow and dollar cost average tiny amounts learn as you go but if you're you know somebody who understands investing and invest into education as well as assets because it's a very hard lesson that that guy learned by losing over a bitcoin on something silly that me or you would have obviously said like clearly you don't buy your back wallets from third parties <laughs> but unfortunately this is a new space and people make these silly mistakes but they're they're so costly and that's why the service that you guys are providing and all the estate planning and everything it's just you're just i believe you're positioned so well as we develop into the future like
1: yeah i and and this is where the need for all of those services you know what you do what i do are so valuable um and and this is where you know being in bitcoin now we are the 0.1 of the very disagreeable and you know there are certain character traits that go along with that, I,
0: that I've, like, I've spent that, my life here i've been early to a lot of things i mean, that's <laughs> that's my signal that's how i know yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know the 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 funny thing I look at and think, and this is where, you know, I get some pushback on, say, the service that we deliver is, you know, if we're going to encourage the remaining 99.9% of the population to come into Bitcoin and self-custody, some clients aren't capable of doing it all themselves. and
0: The majority the of the feedback... world isn't, is, is, is what I would say. The majority of the world is not. Look at our society now. We yep. don't want to take responsibility. We want someone to hold our hand, do it for us. And that's fine and perfect. And, and that's why I think any pushback, it's just nonsense. It's from people who don't understand the real world.
1: No, and it's horses for courses. And this is where, sure. you know, like, like all things, it's a spectrum. There is the absolute hardcore, which is the majority of Bitcoiners who are here now. And then there are people who want to leave their Bitcoins on FTX. And I'd like to think that the service we deliver gets to, yeah. you know, that Bitcoin maxi puritan uh, model or gets as close as we physically can to it with the trade-offs that we make. So... Um, You know, the the great part about this is, you know, we get to speak to Bitcoiners all over the world, Um, you know, being able to have a chat to you and hear what you do and talk about Bitcoin is just an absolute treat for me. And, you know, I, I feel like probably how you do in that, you know, we're out here doing God's work to get people into Bitcoin and hopefully show them a better path that can provide financial freedom for them. So hats off to you for all that you do and appreciate you being there doing it.
0: Yeah, thanks very much. I'm going to sign off here now. Peter, thanks very much for coming on. I'll chat to you in the after show just now when I hit the recording. So uh, thanks very much, Peter, for today. It's been absolutely awesome. Thank you, Cheers.